Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And it's just the two of us again this week, but we yeah, feel we, a little happier now. We killed everyone else off. They're all, they all died. They didn't listen. They, they also played the Rice women's basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> and that killed them. Oh, I would love to see us us take on the Rice women's basketball team. We would lose so bad. <laughs> oh, man. So bad. We would lose so bad. It would not, it would not be good. It would be like 157 to 12, maybe. Oh, man. Anyway. It would definitely be worse than the beatdown that our men's program put down on the Rice men's program, at least yes. on Friday night. Just an absolute romp. Tech wins that game 101 to 57. Yeah. 101 to 57 in a regular <laughs> season basketball game. Yeah. They set a bunch of uh, a bunch of school rec- school records for CUSA wins anyway. I'm not sure about all time, but it was the most points we've scored in a Conference USA game, the, mo- the largest margin of victory. I think the high, the lar- largest number of three pointers in a game. I think we hit seventeen. So, yeah, it it was a good night. Friday, uh, Friday night was good for sure. Yeah, Tech had four distinct runs during this game. Like they scored a certain amount versus Rice in the first half. They had a sixteen to three and a thirteen to one run, two separate occasions <laughs> there. And then in the second half, they had a ten zero run, and then also a little bit later, a fourteen to two run. Yeah. Just, that- Every single time, they just dominated everything. I mean, there's like 50 points in those runs alone compared to six for Rice. So, yeah, the the owls, uh, I don't know. What do owls do? They, like, eat mice and turn their heads all the way around, right? These owls couldn't even do that stuff. Yeah, we had them spinning in circles all night. (laughs) Damn, that's better. (laughs) You set me up for it. Uh, Tech opened this game with a 86.7% chance to win it, according to Ken Palm. Well before halftime, it was up to 99%, and it just kind of fluctuated between 99.5 and 99.7 throughout most of the rest of the game. It, yeah, that's not really much more we can say about this yeah, game other I, than uh, say they scored, we, and then Rice didn't, and then Tech yeah. scored. <laughs> yeah, we really don't need to go through this one. Um, if you missed it, you missed a really fun game. I mean, we can just talk about some of the, the individual performances, right? I mean, this... You score 101 points. There's going to be a lot of people jumping out at you from the box score, but I mean, you got you got four players in double digits, including Crawford, Lofton, Kobe, and Ledoux. Who? Let's talk about Ledoux for a second. Is this dude? Uh, he missed some games this season, and he hasn't made it back into the starting lineup yet. Well, I guess this was the last weekend of the season, but he played 24 minutes in this game and scored 25 points, but it was really his three point shooting that set us off. Right. Yeah. He hit six of eight, three pointers on the night. Kind of wished he had attempted and missed one more, <laughs> but throughout the night, it just looked like he couldn't miss. Of course, if you took him to two point range, he was only three of eight. So he was better the further out he was. Yeah. But anytime it looked like tech was losing just a little bit of momentum, even when they were up by 20 or 30, Ledoux would sink a three, and you would know that it, this night the Bulldogs were not going to lose. Yeah, he also broke 200 career three-pointers. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he there was a time in this game where he could not miss a shot. And really this whole weekend, we'll, we'll talk about night two here as well. But, yeah, I mean, Ledoux was great. And, gosh, just splice in audio from every week previous to this because Junior Lofton, I mean, my God. He's so fun to watch and he's so good at basketball. And it's just, 
I would just feel so blessed that we get to watch him play in a bulldog uniform, right? It's what else can you say? It's fun to watch the commentators week after week after week fall head over heels in love with the kid. It's yeah. <laughs> shit. I fall head over heels in love with the kid every week. I mean, <laughs> I, you're absolutely right. He'll make a move to the basket, and I don't think I've heard color commentators go ooh or make those kinds of like yeah the kind of unnoticed kind of mouth sounds you make when you see something really cool. <laughs> it happens every week with a different crew, and it's amazing. I mean, just, the way that we talk about him here, where we're just like, man, I don't know what else to say. Like, they get there by the end of the game. They're like, I mean, look at what he just did. I can't even say anything to that, right? So, I mean, he's he's down there using spin moves inside and, like, you know, Euro stepping through people, whatever that means. I don't even know. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever heard the word Euro step until this year, and now it's being said every week. <laughs> I should probably eventually figure out what they're talking about. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, he ends the night with another double-double. I don't even know how many that is on the season, but he had 16 points and 10 boards. Um, and the, the crazy thing is, and they mentioned this on Saturday night, is he's getting better. He's a true freshman. And it's not just that he came out in the, the non-conference schedule when we played some weaker opponents and like dominated then and has fallen off a cliff since. No, he's getting stronger as we go along. And he's getting more minutes, in part because Andrew Gordon is... I guess not on the team anymore. I, I don't know if we ever heard a verdict on that, yeah. but uh, I don't think we ever did. But a- anyway, he he's going from he was getting like 18, 20 minutes a game. Now he's playing 24, 26 minutes a game. Right. And going into the conference tournament. I mean, man, if we have Lofton playing at the level he's been playing at all season and if Caleb Ledoux can get hot, I don't know that there's a team in this conference that can beat us head to head. If those two things are true. Right. So Anyway, yeah. I mean, anything else from this first game that we need to we need to cover here? Yeah, one more thing about Lofton before we, we jump off that ship is both in the Friday night and oh. Saturday night games, Lofton had one play in each that was just oh, insane. Yeah. And this one, Rice gets the ball, they cross half court, they don't even really start, they start to put a play together, I guess. Uh, send a pass, Lofton reaches his arm out, breaks up the pass, yeah. and then scores in transition. Your big boy, six foot seven, uh, listed at a 275 pounder, running across the court and scoring a layup in transition. Yeah. And Did he have a dunk on night one, too? He had a dunk, didn't he? Dunk night was, I believe, night two. At least that's the one I'm picturing. I thought. Um, I, did he have a dunk both nights? I swear. So on Friday night after the game was over, my wife, who, you know, doesn't really care about tech that much, she, she you know, knows that I care a lot, but. She was like, oh, did they win tonight? And I said, yes. And she said, did my guy, did my guy do anything? Because she has, she just loves Kenneth Lofton. She thinks he's, quote, adorable, um, which I guess I can't disagree with, right? So um, he's, I definitely like what he does on the court, you know, but so then I pulled up the video or the clip that the LaTeX Hoops account tweeted out of him dunking and we watched it on repeat like five times. So I think this is my in. I think she's going to be a tech fan as long as there's a Kenneth Lofton Jr. to cheer for on the floor. So um, hopefully for a few more years. Yeah, yeah it, that that first night was the night I got my nights confused. It's weird when you play the same team twice. But yeah, there's a steal. Uh, trying to remember who the steal was by, but Lofton hasn't even run up court yet. He's still trailing behind. And so the guy who took the steal is Xavier Armstead got the steal just Chucked him oh, down to yeah. Lofton, who's in no man's <laughs> land, no one near him. 
I don't know. I'm watching this clip over and over again. He doesn't take it. He doesn't leave his feet until he's at the the restricted arc underneath the hoop. But it really felt like watching it live. He jumped from the three point line <laughs> for that dunk Space Jam style. It was it brought the house down. He was on that hoop so long. I felt like I felt it all the way up here in D.C. Just the shake of the rim. Yeah. What a dunk. Yeah. I mean, man, just uh, this game was so fun to watch. And you know, especially towards the end. The, the other thing I want to mention about this game, towards the end, you know, it's senior night or senior night, I guess, is technically the next game, but it's it's the last home games for the seniors. And we've got a lot of seniors on the team, right? Including some guys who don't really get to play, like like Lane Hartley, right? And Xavier Christian gets to play some, but, you know, so these guys get in the game with like four minutes left because we're up 90 to 49, right? So so you got, you got Thailand Elder, who I believe is he's a transfer. I don't, I don't think he's a senior, right. But he, he gets in, he gets a dunk on their first possession. And it's just like, man, this is great to see. And you're starting to think like, man, maybe we will actually go for a hundred because if we left the starters out there, they're probably, you know, easing up, easing off the gas pedal and, you know, just taking it easy. But these backups, these guys, and especially like the seniors who like Lane Hartley's a senior that never gets to play. Right. So I was like, this guy better score like he better score and he freaking hit a three-pointer with like a minute left he hits a three-pointer and i was like going so hype i was i was hype as hell for this dude because like he's put in all that practice time he's you know he's been there for the team you know like off the court in ways that we as fans don't see and for him to get in there and get to play like a nice chunk of minutes and then also get to nail a three-pointer from the corner like good shit right yeah uh, by the way, Tylen Elder is a true freshman. So oh, he's a freshman. I th- yeah. Who was I? Th- oh, I was hope, thinking of hope that. Hope to see him some more. I was thinking of that other guy who quit the team. Face Bass. Yeah. That's who you were thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, well, that's that's good to see because um, he and uh, and Kenny Hunter had a had a like monster block too. I mean, I was watching these last four minutes like we were tied in the freaking Sweet Sixteen or something. I was like glued, fully focused on watching these these guys get to play some. So. And going to 100 points, too, it's a situation like when a pitcher has a perfect game or a no-hitter going in the ninth inning where the team is up by 10 runs, where you're like, okay, I'm not worried about the game being lost. I just really want the team to score 100, or I don't want this pitcher to give up a hit. It's a weird, you start rooting for a different thing that's kind of tangential to what you're usually rooting for. Yeah, I was just like, I just want Lane Hartley to score. That's all I want. <laughs> I, I wanted Rice to score quickly and give us the ball back so we'd score again. Yeah, so so they could have. I'm pretty sure that Conkle would not have liked the team going for 100 if we could have just sat on the ball and ran the clock out, right? But Rice comes down with, they get the ball 46 seconds left, and they come down and take a three with like, you know, 15 seconds left on the shot clock. So that gave us the ball. They missed it. That gave us the ball with uh, with 37 seconds left in the game, which means we got to take another shot. So if you make the shot, you know you're going over 100. So which Thailand Elder did make that that shot to get us up over 100. So yeah, just a really fun game. If you missed it, I'm sure there's some highlights out there that you know won't necessarily capture how fun it was to just be winning by that much, but um, you'll get to see some of these things we're talking about, like the loft and dunk and the steal and layup and stuff. Yeah, night two, though, was a little bit closer on Saturday. I guess it was more of an afternoon than a night. But yeah. either way, Textile had it pretty well in hand by the end. They won 79-58. to 58. 
Uh, one of the huge things in this game in particular was that Rice's six foot eleven center Max Fielder was was back in their lineup on Saturday. Like four or five minutes into the first game, either got an elbow to the face accidentally or got some sort of contact, and it injured his nose. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't stop bleeding. Uh, yeah. The second night out there, he had a face mask on, and that still caused him some issues at times. But Rice really appreciated having the guy they like to run their offense through back out on the court. And that may be why this second game was a little bit closer. Yeah. I mean, and, and they, they got hotter from three, right? I mean, yeah, night one, they were 26% from three. Okay. Yeah. Night so two, I, they were 27. Oh, wow. So not, not that much better, I guess, but um, <laughs> yeah, this, this game was weird because it was pretty close. I mean, it was back and forth with, with rice actually leading pretty early on. Uh, they led by six, 21 to 15, and and then Tech just went on a crazy run. I mean, 20, 25 to six run over the rest of the first half. So, you know, and that, I don't know what that was in the middle there, but I feel like Tech scored like 15 points in a row. And it was Rice was just like taking desperation shots from the outside when they weren't even, when they were contested and everything, too. So Tech goes into halftime up 40 to 27, and it kind of felt over right i mean i know 13 points isn't enough and obviously we've blown bigger leads than that this season but it felt like from night one into the first half of night two it was like man rice just doesn't have the stuff to hang with us right yeah i feel like if the first game didn't happen or if this was the first game we wouldn't be as confident only up 13 going to halftime we've seen tech blow bigger leads this year against opponents yeah and only up by 13 but the fact that we had just dominated every single phase of the game on Friday and come in on Saturday, struggled a little bit to get started, but really kind of came in into our own on the second half of the first half. So I guess what would be the second quarter if this was women's basketball? Uh, it just felt like, okay, yeah, no, we got this. We, we found our groove again. We'll be good. But that's not yeah. exactly what happened early on in the second half. Is that right? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Quincy Olivari, who I believe was the guy you said to look out for, right? Um, called it yeah he i think he had a few points in the first half of this game but he came out and immediately makes a jumper in the and it was his first field goal in the game on their first possession and then we missed a three-pointer and then he comes down and hits a three-pointer and then we missed another three-pointer and he comes down and hits another three-pointer so he scored eight points in like a minute and a half less than a minute and a half and uh and Tech went ahead and called timeout after that because it was like, well, shit, now we're only up five. And, you know, with this guy hitting shots like that, it, we won't be up for very long. So we called timeout, regrouped a little bit, and it kind of got got back to what we were doing before. But, yeah, it was an 8-0 run to open that second half, and it <laughs> my confidence drained pretty quickly there. Yeah, seeing the deficit, or our lead, I guess, the Rice deficit cut to single digits to seven points came in all of a sudden okay yeah uh, we need to start doing something especially about olivari and eventually really amber crombie yeah uh, the other rice owl that could shoot both of those guys and, and you you said it again you called it last week that this team lives and dies by the three right and they really do i mean i think they said at one point olivari and evie have like the third most combined three-pointers of any like duo in the country so like those two guys have the third most made threes of like any other two player combo in the country. That's, that's pretty crazy. And, and like, like we said, if Olivari gets going, he can put up 30 points and win a game for rice that they don't have any business winning. So 
I was scared for a little bit at the beginning of that second half because you had Olivari make a three and then Evie made a three right after that. And so, I mean, you know, we, we started hitting shots again, luckily. <laughs> so we were still up like six, eight, ten points all throughout the second half pretty much. But then those two guys that we mentioned just cooled off, right? They were still getting some open looks, but they, they'd hit a couple threes and then miss three in a row, you know? And it's like, okay, well, thank you for for not having an actually hot hand and just kind of, you know, finding a, a good look those two times you made it, right? Yeah, it was weird watching them both live and die by the three in the same game. It's yeah. something you you usually see. But yeah, throughout that second half, it was just a back and forth game. Tech was leading by seven, but they couldn't really expand that lead. And then Rice, while they were hitting their threes when they were able to get them, they weren't able to do it enough to cut into that lead either. So from about 18 minutes into the second half until 10 minutes left into the second half, the lead stays around seven points. And yeah. that's kind yeah, of scary. It, it fluctuated a little bit, but but like we're saying, I mean, like they, they pretty much would hit threes in pairs, right? So Olivari hit a couple threes and then missed a whole bunch. And then Evie hit a couple threes and then missed a whole bunch. And then Abercrombie hit a couple threes and missed a whole bunch. So, I, I mean, the lead was pretty much staying like you said around seven if, if i had to average it out it probably was seven points for most of the the third quarter if you will um but then tech went ahead and just took over the game didn't they yeah the bulldogs went on a 16 to 2 run over the next three and a half minutes yeah which really put the game away and that's mostly thanks to one guy that we've already talked about a little bit isn't that right yeah caleb ledoux i mean so this is this is his last showing at the Tech. Theoretically, we may get a game next week. We'll talk about that, I guess. But um, this is the last scheduled game for him. It's senior night. He's coming out, and you know, off a big performance on Friday night too. Here's what he did from the 10 minute mark. So he made two free throws, then got a defensive rebound on the other end, then comes down and makes a three pointer, then gets a defensive rebound on the other end, then gets fouled driving the basket or driving the lane and makes the two free throws. Then he gets another defensive rebound and gets fouled again. And after the TV timeout, he makes one of two free throws. So he quite literally just took the game over. I mean, every single, every single stat or, or play in the play-by-play he's involved in for like a three minute period of this game. He's grabbing the rebounds on one end. He's making the shots on the other end or getting fouled going to the bucket. So he scored eight straight points uh, to kick off that 16-2 to two run, and, you know, Tech never looked back, and Rice never had a chance after that. Yeah, Tech was then up 71-53 to 53 with seven minutes left, and Rice only hit two more shots <laughs> for the rest of the night. Caleb Ledoux put Tech there, but Rice didn't dig themselves back out of that hole that they were in. And again, Tech completes the two-game sweep, winning 79-58. to 58. Yeah, there's like a two and a half minute period where nobody scored anything at all. It was just 72 to 56 for a very long time. But what else can you say? I mean, it, it was a great game, had great performances from, from key players yet again. I mean, just we're hitting our stride at the right time, right? I mean, this is what you want to see going into the conference tournament in two weeks because next week is makeup game week, but we don't have any games that we can make up. So this game, Crawford had a quiet 14 points and nine rebounds. Lofton led all scorers with 17 points, but only had six rebounds, so no double-double for him. So I guess he was slacking off on the boards, right? But um, 
Archibald with, with double digits. That's nice to see as well. And yeah, Ledoux coming off the bench with 17 as well. So, and he only had five rebounds. I swear like four of them were in that two minute period of time when he scored eight points. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it was just the Caleb Ledoux show this entire weekend. Yeah. And he showed like, there were some periods where he didn't, wasn't all that successful. He averaged less than 50% from two on this weekend, but he hit enough three pointers to to show off, and it's it's weird. Tech has had a few of these games where we've had one guy carry the team and just put the team on his back, and Tech wins the game because of this person. Kobe's done it a couple times. Lofton's done it a couple times. Ledoux's now done it twice this past weekend. It's going into the conference tournament. We've seen Tech get eliminated by teams that have that guy who can just put the team on their back, and it feels like this entire team can put the team on their back including Crawford, who probably deserves his own mention there too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, Enable kind of almost take a step back this season, it feels like, but he's still there, you know, when you need him. So I don't know if this team, it, it, they're fun to watch. They're out here winning the games they're supposed to win, right? I mean, really in conference play, only one of the UTEP games is kind of the question mark, right? Like we lost, we've got four conference losses, Marshall, Western Kentucky, both of those um, – or no, Marshall was at home, so you'd like to win that, obviously, since we're so good at the tech. But lost to Western Kentucky on the road by two points, um, and then lost to North Texas on the road by two points. So really, the only bad head scratcher loss I'm seeing there is UTEP by eight, and that was on the road, right? So you know you can't really expect to win every game on the road. But this is a really good team, really fun team, and I think we were picked seventh in the conference so yeah i I still never understood that i yeah i didn't i didn't really think we'd be this good this feels a little better than what what i was kind of expecting but But we had a i mean our team has like seven seniors on it right so yeah it feels like it feels like we were we were loaded up for this year and since we didn't finish in seventh last year maybe that seems weird that you would think we would this year but uh if conkle's not coach of the year we ride in the streets because I mean, we're we're going to finish in first place if UAB and North Texas split their makeup series next week. Um, if North Texas wins both of those, I think they'll finish in first place in our division. But I'm not sure what what the regular season conference title would be. Um, yeah, I, since they split it into divisions, it's kind of hard to tell. And and who knows with, I mean, this with this season's weird. And yeah, there. Who who knows? To kind of uh, go into that for a second, just. Uh, Kane McGuire, the uh, Louisiana Tech, at least for the basketball, the assistant AD in communications for that basketball program, he puts together the the post-game reports on the Tech website and a bunch of other stuff. He does a lot. Uh, but one of his tweets got some attention, just kind of pointing out what Tech was able to do this year. Uh, per Ken Palm, they played the toughest schedule in the league, the Bulldogs did. Uh, Tech is the only team this season to win at Western Kentucky, the only team this season to win at North Texas. Uh, per Ken Palm, again, they're the top-ranked defensive team in the league, won 11 of their last 13 games, and with 12, have the most league wins. Uh, yeah. When the commentators have been talking on tech broadcasts, they're talking about who the best team in Conference USA is. And a lot of times they give the easy out to Western Kentucky, or they kind of group together WKU, UAB, North Texas, and Tech. Uh, I know both of us are homers here, but... Do we think Tech is the best team in CUSA? Not saying that they would win the tournament, but are they the best team? So, I mean, we're better than UAB, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I 
threw that one in there just so we could say we're better than UAB. Yeah. So the the announcers on Saturday were actually talking about this and saying, you know, could this be a two bid league and yada yada, right? And I don't think I don't know. There's an interesting case to be made, and we can talk about the net rankings and stuff too. But Western Kentucky, the the color commentator on CBS Sports Network, his point was that they've got that bona fide next level talent on their team, right? They've got Charles Bassey. So that kind of makes people give them the nod. But as a whole, though, I don't know, right? I mean, I mean, we hung with them in both of those games. We could have easily won both of those games at Western Kentucky. And we could have won both of the games at North Texas too, right? I mean, we split those two series. But also, like you said, we've got the toughest schedule in, in Ken Palm. And those two teams we just mentioned, those are the number one and number two teams in the conference in terms of uh, records outside of Tech anyway, right? So we had to play them both on the road. So who knows if Western Kentucky or or North Texas comes to the TAC this year, who knows what would have happened, right? So I don't know. Are they the Are we the best team I mean, I think we've got a case to be made, right? Yeah. I mean, it's either – I would say it's either either of those three, but hopefully we'll get to find out in the conference tournament, right? Hopefully it'll be – you know, we'll North Texas will be on our side. Western Kentucky would be waiting in the championship game if we make it that far, right? So it's going to be tough, but I think we really do have a shot this year to make the tournament, and, you know, it, it feels like maybe if we had not lost to UTEP or maybe if we picked up – picked up that LSU game or something like that in the in the early season, maybe we'd really have a legit shot to be an at-large bid if we make it to the championship game. But I don't know. I, I'm not going to believe that until I see it in this conference. What do you think? Are we the best team in the conference or what? Again, it's I, I don't think it's definitive. I right. think there, there have been years in the past where I could easily say Tech is the best team in this conference. And we either we finished first in the regular season or – Actually, yeah, those are the teams I'm talking about. The ones that finished first and then lost a game in the tournament because tournaments don't always prove who the best team is. Western Kentucky is a very good team, but it's hard to see them get blown out by Houston this past week and not think, wait a second. But then you look at the number next to Houston's name and see their number four in Ken Palm, and then (laughs) you start to think again. Yeah. I mean, here's what Ken Palm thinks, right? They, They say that Tech has the number one defense in the conference and the number six offense. So Ken Palm actually has Tech as the third best team in the conference uh, behind North Texas at 63rd overall and Marshall at 79th overall, which uh, is weird. And then Tech is 80th and Western is 84th. So I definitely don't agree with that, but Ken Palm is what we go by. So I guess we got we to gotta ride or die with our, our guy here. <laughs> well, those are also close numbers. I'd- yeah. It's the difference between something like a number 75 and number 85 is not really all that large and definitely within any, any kind of margin of error when you're talking about these calculations on a basketball season that's only so big. But uh, one other question before we jump into baseball, though, uh, Tech might schedule a game next week. It looks like Conference USA isn't going to give Tech an opponent while a few other teams play. There's Middle Tennessee would be the games to make up, but though Middle Tennessee has another opponent. I believe we talked last week about it. Yeah. Do you think Tech should play a game this week? And if if so, should it be a, a team, a resume builder to try to get in at large? Should one exist or maybe an easy warm-up school down the road that would be cheap? Well, okay. So I'm curious. So I saw that UTEP is playing at Kansas this weekend, which is pretty cool. Um, and, and I would love to see Tech do something like that, especially this year when Kansas is not as good as they normally are. 
that would be really fun to like maybe get to go knock off Kansas, you know, for fun, right? Especially what they did to us in football. After what they did to us <laughs> oh, in football. Oh God, I wasn't even thinking about that. But can you fumble um, a basketball? I think at this point in the season, right? If we play this upcoming weekend, it's almost certainly either going to be like Towson or or no, no. Yeah, Towson or like Lamar or like Tougaloo or whatever, right? Like yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be somebody that is D two or something that we're paying to come in. No disrespect to Towson and Lamar, they are not D two, but I think we'd probably I think if we play it'll probably be like Central Arkansas Baptist College, um, because they're gonna come to the tech. We won't have to worry about traveling right during the middle of a pandemic because now is, you know, I'm just going to knock on wood throughout my whole time saying the sentence. Now is not the time to be messing with COVID when we've got the conference tournament next week. So um, would I love to see us play Kentucky or something like that? Yeah, fuck yeah, I would. But I don't. I, I think that maybe I would rather play it safe, but I'm interested to see what we do. What do you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you again. I yeah. asked two questions. We're getting one answer to each, I guess. But yeah, I, as much as I would love to play a high RPI team, or I guess net, or whatever, really when it comes down to it, the point of this game, we're not getting it at large. Playing an RPI yeah, it feels too late team. Too, right? It's yeah. too little too late, right? Like, we're we're currently ranked 74th in net, and there's 68 teams that make the tournament, so, but a lot of those teams above us are not going to be conference champions, right? So, there's like 30-something at-large bids, and we're 74th. So like, we're not going to jump high enough, but there is one way we might be able to, there is one undefeated team in basketball that has had a horrible schedule because they are in a horrible conference. That conference is the West coast conference. That team is Gonzaga. Uh, (laughs) Gonzaga Uh, has no more games scheduled for the rest of the year. Don't so conceivably (laughs) we're not flying to Seattle or wherever the fuck Gonzaga is. (laughs) They're in Spokane, thank you very much. Oh, sorry. I believe it's pronounced Spokane, actually, but <laughs> we'll just not to me. We'll just both correct each other until this podcast ends. They're the Bulldogs. We're the Bulldogs. Oh wow. I, I think it's all coming together. Yeah, coincidence? I think not. So Yeah. I'd I would like to see Tech play another game just to kind of keep things loose, but with the conference tournament right around the corner too, injuries and stuff like that are kind of to be taken under consideration too. not to even think about COVID yet. So, yeah. 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 So anyway, that's a lot of basketball. We had some other sports happen this weekend that also went pretty well, didn't they? Yeah. And since I'm the one talking now, first we're going to talk about baseball. <laughs> yeah. That's what I meant. The other sports that happened did not go so well. So I was yeah, definitely, that's, that's, definitely that's, alluding that's to true. baseball there. So uh, the Bulldogs, welcome to the love shack for the first the new, time in the new the love, new shack's love shack history. The Southern Jaguars playing on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All three games went pretty well. Probably Sunday the best, but we'll start with the Friday game. The Jaguars threatened pretty early a few times. It was a little scarier than we had we had kind of actually it's so scary as we would have feared. They loaded the bases in the first inning and only had one out. Luckily, Tech got out of that jam. But then the Jaguars got a runner on third with two outs in the second, but neither time they were able to put that runner across the plate. Finally, Tech allowed a run in the fourth inning when Southern scored, but Tech was already up 2-0, so that just cut Tech's 2-0 lead in half. At the bottom of that same inning, the fourth, Tech would put across three more runs to go up 5-1. Yeah. Two triples in one inning. Jesus. Two triples. Yeah. Yeah. 
Matulia and Wells both get triples. I mean, triples are pretty rare, so I wonder how many times that's happened, but we don't have those kind of advanced stats, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm already planning the Python script in my head to try to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, Tech would score on two more occasions in this game, each time with Parker Bates at the plate. With the bases loaded in the sixth inning, he doubled and brought home two runs. And then two innings later in the eighth, he had a first pitch two-run home run to bring the score to 9-1, to one, and that's what it was at the final on Friday night. Here's a hot then, take for you. He's Parker Bates is good. He's he's really good. He's good, but you know he had no hits on Saturday. Wow. Well, yeah. I guess we should cut him then, right? I mean, exactly. Geez. Yeah. But what uh, else did happen on Saturday? Yeah, Saturday's game was uh, much more of a pitcher's duel. I mean, it was one to nothing for most of the game, starting in the second inning. Cole McConnell singles, then got to second on a stolen base, and then Hasler singled him home. So. Um, One thing I've noticed about Tech, you know, this year and probably just under um, Burroughs in general is that guys are going to be pretty aggressive running the bases, right? So if if they have a chance to get home, they're going to try it, right? Um, So we go up one to nothing there. And yeah, I mean, that pitcher's duel lasted until the sixth when Tech scored again. But before that, Southern had loaded the bases in the sixth inning and Tech was able to get out of that jam without allowing a run, which is pretty cool. But Unfortunately, the same thing had happened to Tech in the fourth inning. So there were some hits, there were some walks and stuff, putting uh, runners on bases, but the pitchers were getting out of those jams. And then in the sixth inning, Tech added another run, making it two to nothing, which was a pretty good thing because, oh man, I forgot about this. Southern Southern's Adams got on base with a single. And then, let's see, who was who was pitching at that time? Gibson was pitching when Adams hit the single. Hodges threw the wild pitch that sent him to third. Then Olette threw the wild pitch that sent him home. Yes. So not a not a great, you know, in what we've been billing as a pitcher's duel, there was some pretty uh, interesting pitching there for a second that pretty much pretty much errored in a uh, a run for the Jaguars um, to make it two to one. And then Philip Matulia comes up, who's actually leading the team in batting average and uh, and hits and slugging percentage so far this year. He comes, which I know, small sample size, blah blah blah. But <laughs> you know uh, me so well, yeah. He, he he comes up and hits a home run in the seventh inning, making it a four to one game. And Tech adds one more uh, to bring it to the the five to one final um, in the eighth inning on a uh, a, a Netterville sack fly. So. Yeah, uh, pretty strong game um, from the Tech pitchers outside of that weird sixth inning or seventh inning, whichever inning it was. I don't know. But um, Tech ultimately gets the win 5-1 to one in a, a pretty hard-fought game, a lot closer than that stat line or box score would let you know. Yeah, Sunday, however, was not as close as the stat line looked. Uh, Tech got on the board pretty early thanks to a two-run double by Manny Garcia that followed up in the next at-bat by a two-run two home run by Philip Matulio. Uh, Tech never looked back after that. They were up, was it 4 nothing? then? They went on to score more to go and win 12-4. to four. Math. Yeah, basically, really, the only, uh, the only scare in this game was the fifth inning when Tech was already up 7 to nothing. This was Worf's final inning on the mound, coming in as the starter for this game. The Jaguars hit a double, a single, a single, and then later in the inning, a home run to score those four runs. Uh, Worf was kind of out of juice by this inning. At one point during it, Nitz suggested on the radio broadcast that he 
he may be trying or that Burroughs may be trying to keep Worf out there for that sixth inning or sorry, that fifth inning, because if he completes five innings and Tech is leading after it and then goes on to win, then Worf gets the W in the stat book. He gets the win, huh. which just goes again into my uh, whole I hate wins as a stat. Wait, so it's not. Wait, so so, the, so there are two ways to get a win. Either I thought it if was right, just be the pitcher when you when take your team the takes lead. the lead. Yeah, the that doesn't always happen. If the starting pitcher doesn't pitch at least five innings, what's called a quality start, oh they don't get the W. <laughs> which is there's so much. I I hate this so much. I Even if you're wins. up like fifteen to zero, yeah, but you it only doesn't, it doesn't matter what the score third. is. Wow. Yeah, Tech was up seven nothing. If he didn't finish that fifth inning, then Worf would not have gotten the win. So who gets the win then? I believe the next pitcher. What? What? I believe that one. I need to double check. Why? Yeah, good question. <laughs> so, so okay, so we could be up seven to zero. Worf pitches seven to zero, and then for the last out of the inning, they put me on the mound, and I throw like forty miles an hour in, and somehow get you know get the out, and I and then I get the win. Is that how this works? I think so. I would... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, if anybody knows, let let us know on Twitter, yeah, I, I guess. Try to look that up very quickly. But yeah, it, you need five innings. The issue is that, yeah, if you had come out and then thrown a pitch and then taken out, who gets that W if the starter doesn't get it is not something I'm 100% sure on, but I know the starter doesn't get it unless they have the quality start, which, again, dumb. Uh, but even more so, Worf, going through the first four innings, did not allow an earned run. In that fifth inning, he gave up four. And so... You're keeping a pitcher out there, and granted, Tech was winning by a lot. It doesn't really matter what ERA is because your goal is to win games and save the bullpen, which eventually gets used anyway. But if Nitz was right that Worf was back out there because he was going for the win, then he hurt his ERA I to mean, get a, a different meaning with that. He was pitching really well, right? And then all of a sudden, he wasn't anymore. Yeah, that's I fair. Know. I don't. I. I don't know how much. Stock I put into that, other than maybe Burroughs didn't want to pull him because he wanted to get through the inning, maybe partially to help him get the win, but probably also to give his bullpen more time to warm up and, you know, be ready for Tuesday night. Yeah, but to kind of talk about this weekend as a whole, though, uh, I kind of mentioned that about Worf. Uh, the starters were solid all weekend. If we kind of take out that one inning that, again, I had a problem with away, there would have only been one earned run all weekend given up by starting pitching, yeah. which is... You know, pretty good. Yeah, uh, also, I'll take it. also, Greg Martinez, a reliever, redeemed himself after giving up five earned runs in one inning against LSU. On Friday night, he pitched three innings out of the pen and only gave up one run. So really brought down that that ERA there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tyler Fallis also got got his redemption. He he was the one that had the infinite ERA last week you mentioned. And he uh, he got a scoreless inning on Sunday, so he he no longer has that infinite ERA. Um, what is it now? That is a good question. Uh, his ERA currently is nine, nine point oh oh ERA, so, and it's the third worst on the team. Greg Martinez, who again because of that five run inning against LSU, he's at thirteen point five, and Cade Gibson is at fifteen point four three, and that kind of rounds up the bottom bottom of the pack there so far. Again, yeah, you know I'm going to say it. Small sample sizes. <laughs> um, yeah. A couple, one more thing to note really here is that Bryce Fagan, uh, the tech reliever, while pitching, he had gotten one out when he got put in. And then while throwing a pitch, heard a pop in his shoulder, uh, which is, mm. 
you know, not really what you want to hear when you're throwing a baseball. I hadn't seen what the extent of the injury was yet. After the game, Coach Burroughs mentioned it and said they were looking into it, but that really doesn't sound good. And and beyond the whole you hope no one's act, no one gets hurt of it all, the bullpen's tech's weakest point, and so to take another body out of the bullpen if this is a serious injury can't do us any good. Yeah, hopefully he's okay. Yeah, that, it sucks because I think he just it's like – you know, went went through the motions and kind of threw the ball up to the backstop and, you know, went way over everybody's head and it, it, something weird happened, right? So hopefully he's okay. Yeah, uh, but that's probably enough talking about pitching. Let's do some batting notes from this weekend. I mentioned earlier that Parker Bates was held a hit list on Saturday, but who really shown all weekend was someone who we mentioned in each game, Philip Matulia. He had a triple yep. on Friday and hit homers on Saturday and Sunday. He's only had 12 at-bats, but he's batting an even 500 on the year, which is not going to hold up, but, you know, it's it's nice to pretend. Uh, his OPS number right now, which is on-base percentage plus slugging, is 1.674. That leads the team. Parker Bates is only a, a casual 1.373. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Tech actually has, was this, five players with OPS over one, which is, again, small sample size, but it would be incredible if we have five players with an OPS that good. Yeah. And that that's uh Matulia, Bates, Steel Netterville, Cole McConnell, and Taylor Young. Yeah, I've got Myers here at, at 1.0 too. So um Yeah, I think I ruled I think you had to have a certain plate appearances for my uh, my thingy okay. that I'm looking for at. Your, okay, cool. Yeah, he's only got four. So yeah. I suppose that's a good rule to have. But yeah, I mean look, these guys can hit and uh hopefully when we play ULL this this week they'll remember that they can hit because last week they did not remember that. But yeah, it, it's going to be exciting to, to watch this team, you know? Yeah. And the team may remember the stadium pretty well because we were just there last week because the game this week has been moved from Ruston to Lafayette due to construction at the new JC Love field, which again was why fans weren't allowed in the stands this week. Uh, next year, they announced that both games against Louisiana Lafayette will be in Ruston to kind of make up for this, which Feels fair, but yeah, I, I this, mean, shout out to ULL for working with us on that. I guess if I can say anything nice about them ever, because they pretty much could have been like, no, we'll just play the game without fans at your place, and then we'll do a split series again next year. But you know, they they didn't have to help us out, right? So I guess yeah. it's cool of them to actually do that. Yeah, I know Tech wanted to move the game to Wednesday, but ULL currently has a game scheduled with McNeese on Wednesday, which we'll talk about in a second. We didn't get a chance to preview the Cajuns before the last game because just of how we scheduled the podcast and everything. But to kind of go through them quickly, their RPI right now, they have a 27 RPI. Their Massey rank is 31. Tech fell a bit. They started the season around that. They're right now in the RPIs. It was it was bad. They're in like the 80s. Tech is right now. Really? Um, we'll see if that we'll see if that oh, improves wow. after. Yeah, after we this, but... we fell 71 spots apparently. Yeah, it's uh. Not wow. Great. Well, we'll see how how things bounce back. I mean, yeah, small sample size and whatnot. Small sample sizes. There. Well, you they've go. got <laughs> Ole Miss ranked at seventy seventh though too. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I anyway. mean, Arkansas is up at number four, so we'll play a top five team no matter what. Apparently, either way. <laughs> uh, during the broadcast, the commentators of the ULL game were talking about how after playing Tech, they're going on to play LSU. They also lost to LSU by a lot, eleven to two. So you know. Right there with us, I guess. Uh, they did just sweep Rice in Houston, though, the Cajuns did, which oh, Rice man. is historically a good Conference USA team. They weren't really supposed to be that great this year, but that's still a little worrying that 
that they got swept by ULL at home. Uh, really, my question is going to this game, though, is Will Spencer Aragetti, the starting pitcher for ULL, will he be on the mound again? Because he pitched very well, but the more often you see a pitcher, typically the, be- the better you do against him. So mm-hmm. with him so fresh in our batter's minds, is that a good move, or should they start a different one of their pitchers? Uh, he did pitch one and two-thirds innings in relief on Saturday against the Rice Owls. So, so he didn't start a game? Interesting. Correct. He started against Tech and then pitched in relief. Hmm. Do they have another game this week? Like they, play, game, I mean. they play McNeese. Right, I just said that. Oh, we played McNeese. Oh, we play McNeese next weekend. Oh, okay, yes. okay, okay. Yeah, so so, maybe, wow. maybe he pitches against McNeese instead of us, or maybe they want to throw him back out there against us because he did so well the first time. Who knows? Uh, he didn't allow Tech to score a run when he pitched against us, and that relief appearance he also didn't allow a run. So he's high up on their charts in terms of their best pitcher that they have so far. Uh, but their best hitter was Carson Rockefort so far this year. OPS of 1.24, but he only went one for three against Tech. So maybe he'll be better against Tech, or maybe Tech pitching has figured this guy out in a way that Rice and Tulane haven't. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting since we just played, um, you know, what, literally a week ago uh, when this game happens, right? So, look, I, I hope we beat him, right? Yeah. Right? Well, so um, it's interesting, though, that this guy, Spencer Arigetti, seems to be one of their best pitchers. And uh, what we heard from, from ULL fans the last couple of years when we've gone like 8-2 and two against them, um, or 8-1 and one maybe even, was that, oh, well, te- well Tech plays their best Tech sends their best pitcher out on the mound on a Tuesday night. What are we supposed to do? It's like, okay, well, now y'all are doing the same thing. So go fuck yourselves, I guess. But anyway, uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully we win this time. And then on to McNeese next weekend, right? Yeah, McNeese is a not as good team. At least that's what it looks like early on. Their RPI is number 179. Massey gives them a number 185 rank. Uh, so far this year, they got swept in three games by number 48, Alabama. But... They just swept in four games, number 234, Prairie View A&M. You know, that's, I mean, sweeping anybody is actually pretty impressive, even though that's a a low ranking for Prairie View. Uh, But the Cowboys will play ULL the day after us, so we may have a pretty good idea of how this McNeese team really is by comparison against a team that we'll have seen twice by then. The Cowboys are not a home run hitting team. They've only hit two so far on the year in those seven games. And meanwhile, Parker Bates has hit more than two by himself. So, you know. When it comes to pitching, though, Ty Abraham may be their best starter. I'm not really sure. Uh, Ty Abraham will probably start one of the games against the Bulldogs if he doesn't start against 2LL. He hasn't given up a run in the eight and one-third innings he's thrown. But Will Dio, another starter, pitched a three-hit complete game shutout against Prairie View A&M on Friday. So, again, lesser competition, but they got a couple pitchers. Yeah, still, I mean, still that's impressive. And, I mean, it looks like their games against Alabama, they were – I mean, they scored some runs. They lost by four twice and by one on on the Saturday night game. So, uh, so I mean, I I don't think they're bad by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, it looks yeah. like they were actually beating Alabama until they were up three to nothing going into the seventh, and then Alabama scored one, and then two, and then one in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. So uh, they were they were in that one for sure. So they're not slouches, right? They're they're, they're yeah. a decent baseball team. Seems like. Yeah, it, it, we saw with basketball that once you get in that 150-plus range when you're you're talking about a team, it feels like you oh, this should be a team that Tech can beat, and that's true here, too. Tech should be able to beat McNeese. Tech should be able to sweep McNeese. But 
it's baseball and there's so much randomness that happens in this game that sweeping anybody is difficult, including when they swept Prairie View A&M. Uh, one more note on them, though. Hitting wise, their best batter is Clayton Raspberry. Not His name is spelled not like the fruit, but it's it's spelled like someone heard the name of the fruit and then tried to spell it themselves. <laughs> R-A-S-B-E-A-R-Y. Love it. Yeah. Raspberry. Yeah, he's their best bat. His OPS is 1.341. Again, just really anything above a one is, is a solid hitter. Uh, they only have one guy of an OPS over one, and it's just this Clayton Raspberry guy. But yeah, I, that's enough baseball for now, though. Let's actually go back to basketball. Women's basketball this time, though. How, how'd the Texters do this week? Yeah, apparently they didn't get the uh, the Tech Sweeps memo, so they actually got swept down in Houston by Rice, um, which, you know, to be fair, Rice is really good. They lost 73-50 to 50 on Friday afternoon and 64-53 to 53 on Saturday both games were actually pretty close at halftime within five, seven points, somewhere in there. Uh, but Rice was able to pull away with a couple of big third quarters both nights. And um, Tech just came out cold from halftime, you know. Um, yeah, across both games, Tech shot just 34% from the field and Rice shot 53.5%. So you're going to lose if you do that, right? So uh, just a quick update on where Tech stands. They finished fourth in the Western Division and tied for sixth overall in the conference. There's three teams at 500 overall, and I don't know what all the tiebreakers are. So, but just considering that they were projected to finish ninth in the in the conference by the coaching coaches poll, I guess this is good, right? I, yeah. I don't know. Sixth I, is better than ninth, right? So, um, I'm I'm so proud of you for getting that math right. Thank you. Um, normally, I don't, but. Uh, the, the conference tournament starts on March 9th, just like the men's, I believe. And as of now, I think we're playing Southern Miss in a 4v5 matchup in the Western Division. We'll preview that more next week when we do the whole conference tournament. But um, Tech beat USM at home 77-60 to and then lost to them a day and a half later, 57-54. to So, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. You got any other uh, texters updates for us, Nathan? I really just want you to try to read this name. That's why I'm making yeah, this. Oh, that's an L. Okay, I thought that was an I. All right, yeah, yeah the, the soccer lady texters are 6-3 and three so far on the season, but their only game in Conference USA play so far has been a loss at UTEP this past weekend. Klesha Darrow, that's how I'm choosing to pronounce that name, from London, sure. England, leads the team in goals with three and eight games played so far. On the softball diamond, the Texters have started off pretty poorly this season, going two and four so far. This past weekend, they went one one win, two losses. The two losses coming against North Alabama and the one win coming against Southern. Another loss this year so far, which I don't think we mentioned last week, was against ULM. Just to, you know, no, we, we mentioned it, more it I think, because it happened well, right before we recorded. And I said, don't strike that from the record. <laughs> well, strike that one from the record too then, I guess. <laughs> Next weekend, though, the softball texters will open up their new stadium in an Dr. invitation. Billy Bundrick Field. Oh yeah. I don't know that. Oh yeah, seems like a perfect thing to say after someone says Dr. Billy Bundrick Field. I don't know why, but it just seems like you know, Dr. Dr. Billy Bundrick Field. Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh oh yeah. Uh, but coming to Dr. Billy Field, I already had forgotten the last name. Baylor and Tarleton State. Baylor sounds fun because that's a school that we all recognize. You know, Power 5 school. Tarleton State, though, is a school that, to me, stole our, our logo and put the state of Texas instead of the state of Louisiana. So I hate them, and I hope we beat them. 
Oh, really? The T in front of the state of Texas. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. They were like... They store logo. They must Yeah, and they were founded in 1899, so they really just, you know, they really have no claim on that. But um, also they're purple, which is red and blue mixed together. Are you kidding me? Come on, Tarleton State. Anyway. uh, (laughs) You are absolutely right to be upset. (laughs) Just like we are absolutely right to be upset about this week's Tweet of the Week, we give it to ourselves last week. Or I guess you gave it to ourselves. I, yeah, I, I, gave, no it to, I gave it to Nathan slash us. But the reason why we're so upset this week is because it's kind of poking fun at Tech's misery. Uh, Latex yeah. Sports Report this week tweeted saying, with uh, UTSA's impending win over UAB, Tech can secure first place in the West if UAB manages to win or split next weekend's makeup series at North Texas, something we kind of mentioned earlier. Uh, this kind of puts us in a very icky position of rooting for UAB. F5 underscore Kusarefs, which we've talked about a few times in this segment, tweeted its conferences, it's USA's greatest pastime. It's almost that time. And it's four pictures. The top two are the conference basketball tournaments where Tech either made the championship or lost in the semifinals to UAB. And then also Tech losing the football championship games to Marshall and then Western Kentucky. Just basically saying Tech looks to be the best team in the conference. Watch them not actually win the championship. So, yeah. Uh, yep. Um, yeah. A downer ending. Yep. Uh, it's got it's got them all, man. The, the Tulsa loss in our first year in the conference in the championship game as the number one overall seed. You know, classic tech stuff. Just tech stuff, right? Of course, we've been doing that since before we were at COSA, but... <laughs> one thing, I guess, to, to raise our spirits a little bit before we, we end the show is we didn't do predictions earlier. The basketball teams don't have uh-huh. games this week. But the baseball team does. Uh, how do you think Tech will fare against ULL on a one-game series? I guess if you can call that a series, and then three games against McNeese. So we've got we've got four baseball games. I'm gonna go three and one. I think we beat ULL this week, but I think we're gonna drop one to McNeese. And I'm gonna say that we add a game with a directional Christian school from a neighboring state, and we beat them 123 to. 61 in basketball to be clear not in baseball <laughs> yeah i'm i'm glad you added that last bit because i agree with how this baseball week is going to go i think we beat ull but drop one to mcneese just because it's it's hard to sweep even though mcneese has only swept or been swept so far all this year but the way my prediction will go different from you is that we're playing gonzaga and beating them that's what that's what my prediction is oh, for basketball. okay so we're gonna be that team that knocks off gonzaga yep. huh we're going to do what san diego state couldn't do i think they played gonzaga right we're gonna do what we're gonna do what northwestern state couldn't do wait north really they played northwestern state yeah they played the demons they beat the demons <laughs> twice so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go beat the bulldogs take that so if that happened some bulldogs would lose that is definitely but if that true. happens i'm buying a lottery ticket because i'm reading nothing about us actually scheduling against, against gonzaga <laughs> so many things have to go right for this to even be on the table that it's not going to happen Oh yeah, no, yeah. that's that's not happening. But if we play Gonzaga, we will lose by forty points. So, uh... and on Evan's wrongness, that about wraps it up for this episode <laughs> of the GoTech Please and Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G O T E C H P L S D N T D I E, or head to our blog where the contest is hosted. There, where each week you can answer four quick questions to earn up to five points to hopefully win a GoTech Please and Die contest winning baseball. Look out for a tweet showing off what that looks like soon. Uh, that's gtpdd.dog. That's .dog. 
And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And go tech. Please don't die. Please. here have you looked at warrennolan.com have you done that? that's what i'm looking at now okay they have a predicted results tab have you seen that no i haven't played around enough i'm looking at it now though yeah they have us beating ull although it's still saying it's at home so maybe yeah but seven to two and they have a sweeping mcneese but then looking down here they have us going two and one against uh against arkansas and and shit two and oh against old miss Ooh, spicy yeah, let's let's take this as gospel and just assume yeah. that Warren Nolan that has a basketball on their logo knows how these baseball games are gonna go. <laughs> hey, nobody else updates their baseball site that it that doesn't cost $120 a year or whatever. Yep. Love you, D1 baseball.